Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Zinc. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. Insert mouth noise here. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend, Mike, made the best meme, um, and you can see that meme if you want to hang out with us in our new Facebook community. It's called um, Unqualified Therapist Warriors. Yes. And so it's on... Yeah, you just said Facebook. (laughs) It's on Facebook, which Sarah Sarah was like, nobody uses that anymore. Uh, Unfortunately, we're we're in the age range where um, yeah. we, we, we are we have left the cool age. Yeah, we are of the age of Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I guess she didn't think of a mouth noise. <laughs> no, well, I did that though because that was his meme. Yes, I know, <laughs> I know, and it's really funny because that is what we do every time. I have no idea how that became the thing. I don't know either. It just stuck. It did. It stuck, and then I stopped being able to think of new ones. So the past couple weeks have just been awkward silence, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I didn't know what to say or do there. But. Oh my goodness. We hope you guys are enjoying this series with Dr. Katie Stewart. This is our third episode in the series, The Unqualified Meet the Qualified. Yes. And guess what, guys? She's in studio with us today. Yay! Yay! I'm so excited to have you here in person. Maybe I will make some undesirable yeah. mouth noises at some point. <laughs> we shall see. Stay tuned. <laughs> It's okay, I edit them out. <laughs> In case you haven't been listening, um, we've talked about, and, and this was like a, an outtake, I talked about auditioning for something and being told that I had undesirable mouth noises. So um, I edit those out, but like we have, what's it called? Misophonia. Misophonia. And oh. I, all of us have it, all three of us, yes. And mm-hmm. it's it's when you don't like mouth noises and mouth like noises and it can be other noises and- too but usually eating is the the most i really want to say popular one that will common, make people yeah. feel full of rage and it want does. to punch someone or leave the room and now i can't yeah. listen to a podcast or listen to myself speak without being like oh god like hearing <laughs> the hear it all that i just made one yeah and mm-hmm. the swallowing and the whatever <laughs> so yes so i like how are. you put that though katie it does it makes me full of rage yes <laughs> Yeah, like like. So we are sorry if that's what we do to you. Luckily, Sarah is an excellent editor. 
I try to catch them all. I don't know. I may miss some here or there. But all right. Got to let us know out there. Do you have misophonia? Yes. <laughs> Tell us. Hit us up on our community on Facebook. Yes. Unqualified Warriors or on Instagram at Unqualified Therapists. That's where we spend most of our time. We are on Twitter too, but um, we're not as basically adept at the Twitter. I have to tell you something. We're only on Twitter. I'm only on Twitter to to talk to Josh Mankiewicz. That's it. (laughs) Period. Like I could, I can't do anything else on there except tweet at him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he replies and and it makes my day. And then I'm like, okay, life that's perfect. It's all perfect. Josh Mankiewicz of Dateline NBC who we interviewed so go back yeah. in the catalog go back and check that You'll out see it. and great. what I tweeted at him about was uh undoing uh, Sarah watched the episode on tv I listened to the podcast I believe it's probably Josh's best work it's his best work faux show um, his um one-liners and zingers in that episode so are good. real nice that and, was an undesirable yeah. mouth noise <laughs> they are desirable huh? yes. <laughs> and what we learned in the interview with him many things but one of the things is that he writes and rewrites and writes and rewrites his own episodes so all of that is Josh yep. so wow. you should check it out yes Okay, this week we are talking about PTSD. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. I yeah, get rain it. Rain it in, Amy. I know, seriously. This is very <laughs> serious. We got to get all the giggles Sweet out. Lord. It's not going to happen. We can't. PTSD and CPTSD. So we are going to get some definitions. We are going to talk about uh, language and appropriate language and, you know, get a little bit of more information and background from the qualified. That's me, huh? That's, That's you. you. <laughs> Dr. Katie. I get to be qualified today. No, this topic or topics, I think is really, really important. And I can be, as you've probably all noticed, a bit of a nerd to maybe a major nerd. So when I was thinking, when I was thinking about this today, one of the things that I found so interesting is, you know, we think about anxiety, depression that we've already talked about kind of being around forever. And what's really interesting to me about PTSD is it was not in the DSM, our Bible of diagnosis until 1980. What? Yeah. That was the third edition of the DSM. So it's only as old as us. I'm a Ish. little older, but <laughs> yeah. Same. Ish. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's really interesting to me. And prior to, hmm. it's not that it didn't exist, right? Do you know what we called it before that? No. Shell shock. What? Oh, mm-hmm. is that yeah, like a war so reference? That, yes, oh. absolutely. Or war neurosis. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it wasn't happening. Okay. It's that we didn't have the diagnosis. We didn't have all of the criteria. So things get studied for a while. And it was really our World War One and World War Two veterans that were experiencing this in such a way that people were, were noticing. Mm, yeah. And so then once we study it for a while, then it makes its way into the DSM. And then what's really, well, that was really interesting, really, really interesting (laughs) to me is that it was in the anxiety disorders section until the DSM-5. That's this most recent one. Right. So right now what just came out about a month or so ago is the DSM-5-TR, with the TR, yeah, the TR is just text revision. So oh, they've okay. added some some text and changed some languaging, but we're not adding diagnoses, um, really changing criteria much. It's 
in my opinion, it is often a way for the American Psychiatric Association to get us to spend another couple hundred dollars on another book. But it's always interesting. Put one out in a little bit. Let's just go ahead and throw (laughs) some different language in there, remarket it. Exactly. But it's always interesting to me to see when there is a shift. So there was this shift from anxiety disorders to now it's trauma and stressor-related disorders. Oh, I was going to ask what mm-hmm. what it would be under then. Right. So it's kind of, it's, it's not its own section. There are other diagnoses in it, but it's now separate from anxiety. So I did some digging. So I was like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? People had a very strong response to it. There were people who wrote quite a few very strongly worded articles about why it should stay in anxiety disorders really yeah and so I of course was like okay I agree and I I wonder what this shift was really about some people even went so far as to say this is the quintessential anxiety disorder because believe it or not PTSD is one of the most well-defined in terms of how it's been studied the way it progresses and when we're talking about PTSD and anxiety, what are we talking about? I would say first and foremost, fear. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I, I, I'm, you know, obviously no expert, but when I have a trigger, what's mm-hmm. the, what's the reaction? It's a anxiety reaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's and, really interesting. Right. And when we talked before about anxiety and depression, when we talked about comorbidity, things, you know, occurring together. So here we go again. With PTSD, greater risk for panic disorder, greater risk for social anxiety disorder or calling it social phobia, higher rate of OCD and people with OCD are more likely to have experienced traumatic events, which Mm. really to me makes a lot of sense, right? If there's a traumatic event, what do you try to do? Control. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then people with PTSD and generalized anxiety disorder have a really difficult time determining safety cues like what is safe what isn't so there's that I hate to say fear factor because there was that show but the fear (laughs) factor is kind of a defining Mm -hmm. thing with both because anxiety is fear without the feared stimulus PTSD an event has happened Mm -hmm. and now we are fearful and that fear has I hesitate to say generalized because that takes us into generalized anxiety disorder, but it has, right? So if there happens to be a ceiling fan on above us, if I had a trauma, it's not going to follow me. You're fine. <laughs> Did you see my face? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you see the future, Katie? God, <laughs> I should move. I have not had a premonition, okay. but it, it's it's actually one that is a common trigger because so many really? people have been traumatized in a room where there is a fan. Oh, and that's what you look at. And think about it. If you're on your back. Oh, my. And you see that. So then anything that looks like a fan even can be a trigger. That is so interesting because, yeah, if you're right, if you're on your back and you're looking up, then, oh, wow. That's sad. That's really sad. So really it takes fear and it puts it into so many situations that people who haven't had that exact traumatic experience aren't even going to consider. Mm-hmm. And right. so that's how people end up being traumatized again and again and again. And how this disorder can be, I think, one of the most debilitating. Sure, because I think, you know, so 
we like to sprinkle in our own personal experiences here mm-hmm. so that we can all relate. But I think, you know, I didn't even know that I had PTSD for a while. Right. And so how did I know that I was having triggers and to what triggers to look for to be able to manage that, either avoid them or know how to deal with them when I came across them. So I can understand how this has to be such a hard yeah. disorder to yeah deal not deal with but yeah like yeah, yeah deal to, with, cope I guess, with, to cope with to even um again as we've talked about with other ones to even understand that this is a disorder mm-hmm. that this isn't part of me this isn't and I think we'll probably talk about this a few times maybe as we're talking today as we talk about language Mm -hmm. that this isn't a part of me this is something that has happened because of something that either happened to me or I'd like to be very careful when working with people who um, have had a trauma enacted by another person that isn't something that happened to you that is something that someone did Mm -hmm. yeah this was actually the hardest one for me to accept Mm strangely enough really Uh uh-huh um and i would say that i still argue with my therapist on it um because i don't want to believe that it happened Mm. and with anxiety and depression i can like i don't know i can just like be like okay yeah that's like you know a a disorder that i have with ptsd somebody did something to me and i don't know it's just very difficult for me to acknowledge and to accept. So I just am like, no, 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 I just lump it all together with my anxiety and depression. I think that's why. Um, and it could be because like the, some of the things that happened were, well, I'd say most of the things that happened, it wasn't just one person, but were people I love. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, actually, as you were talking, Amy, I thought of something that I don't think I've ever said before, which is that as a clinician, this disorder is one that I struggle with how to talk about um, even to patients in session because you know it used to be that we would talk about not we long before our time people would talk (laughs) about anxiety and depression as like an issue of will and I think we've come a long way in saying that there's it's not because there's something wrong with you and so we work really hard with that but there is this internal thing with anxiety and depression with ptsd we are saying someone did something to you and now you have this disorder Mm -hmm. and that just makes my skin crawl Mm -hmm. because like it's not always that someone else did something right we can have natural disasters accidents Mm -hmm. etc that could also lead to ptsd but oftentimes there is a perpetrator somebody does something and then it is the other person who is dealing with the consequences. And the questions that come into my mind are, how could you possibly let that happen? Like, what is wrong with you, Amy? Like, you're fine. Mm. Like, you're not dumb. Like, what's wrong with you? And I'm not just talking about, like, one person. I'm talking about an institution. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about multiple things that have happened consistently. And I get pissed off at myself. And I wonder if other people feel that way, like, you know, like you are so stupid for putting yourself in that situation. Of course. I, I, I didn't even acknowledge the fact that I had experienced a sexual assault for, was it 20 years? Because yeah. I was like, I let that happen to myself. Mm-hmm. That's what I told myself for so long until I finally was like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I didn't let that happen to myself. This is something that happened to me that someone else did. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's, 
I can completely understand. Yeah. I mean, it was decades of me just being like, oh, no, this was my fault. How could mm-hmm. I let that happen? Yeah. Ugh. That is one of the most common, most heartbreaking things I think I see as a clinician. I don't know what the research says. I don't know what hard data says, but I know that women sitting in my office are saying exactly what you're both saying, that I thought I let this happen. And I think in some ways, especially at the time, particularly if we are young women, when these things happen, Mm -hmm. it's almost easier to accept it. Mm -hmm. To say, I I could have done something, right? Because if I can't, then how do I live the rest of my life being this vulnerable? Mm -hmm. I also have to throw out there, I'm just like hot about women's issues right now. So someone, <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be women's issues, but yeah, yeah. it does fall on I, us. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> you might have to rein me in today, ladies. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> We're both hot about it all the time too. So Especially it's... <laughs> now, yeah. Yeah, especially right now. Absolutely. So people who have PTSD or experience PTSD, do you see that because moving into complex PTSD mm-hmm. is is it generally going to be complex PTSD or is it generally that people have experienced this one thing because I I'm thinking about and, and this just could be because of my personal experiences but that maybe because I experienced something that caused me to have PTSD when I was so young at in, in a very formative age at eight that it made me more susceptible to mm. experience other things that caused this layering to happen. That is a fantastic question. And I actually think the question is layered and someone may have to keep me on track with this. Okay. I can just <laughs> throw that out there because I think we should start with diagnostic criteria. Yes, please. Then mm-hmm. look at the relationship between the two and where we're still learning a lot and bring it back to women. So... If we start with diagnostic criteria, we're going to start with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. I just want to demonstrate to the ladies in the room that it is four full pages. How many of those do you have to have? Of criteria. So it's listing a bunch of different ones. So instead of going through all of that and me reading it to you, I want to just get into the first part of the definition. Okay. And then there are different categories of criteria within PTSD. So the first one is the following criteria apply to adults, adolescents, and children older than six years. So if we you know, get to it later, we can talk about younger children. So the first big thing is exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence in one or more of the following ways. So the first one is directly experiencing the traumatic event or events. The second is witnessing in person the event or events as it occurred to others. The third is learning that the traumatic events occurred to a close family member or a close friend. And then in cases of actual or threatened death of a family member or friend, the events must have been violent or accidental. And then experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to aversive details of the traumatic events. So people like first responders, police officers, Mm therapist we often think of that as vicarious trauma so I usually when I'm working with people especially in a first appointment I ask about trauma and usually they say what does that mean and I say what does it mean to you but when we're looking at post-traumatic stress disorder it is very clearly defined what trauma is that doesn't mean that you haven't had a traumatic experience if it isn't one of these it just means you probably don't meet criteria 
for post-traumatic stress disorder. So then from there, we can separate the different symptoms into kind of different classes of symptoms. So intrusion symptoms, avoidance symptoms, arousal and reactivity symptoms, and cognition and mood symptoms. So intrusion, I know it's it's just, I wish you guys could see Amy's face, it's wild. <laughs> but when you hear what they are, if you know anybody with PTSD, if you've experienced it, you'll say, oh yes. So intrusion symptoms are the stuff like flashbacks, nightmares, intrusive, frightening thoughts. Then the avoidance symptoms, exactly what it sounds like. It could be avoiding places, avoiding people, even avoiding certain smells, words, etc. anything that reminds you of it. Then the arousal and reactivity symptoms, difficulty sleeping, feeling easily startled or jumpy, hypervigilance, that is one of the biggest ones. Irritability, I think, is one that people miss because it goes along with so many other diagnoses. Trouble concentrating. Um, if you are hypervigilant and paying attention to all of these different things, how can you pay attention to everything else? Then we have the cognition and mood symptoms. So difficulty enjoying activities that you used to like, trouble remembering parts of the traumatic event. That is something that I will say really annoys me when people start to pick apart people's memories of trauma. Oh, this was so traumatic, but I can't remember it. That's exactly what happens with trauma. So in addition to difficulty remembering parts of the traumatic event, isolating from other people, ongoing feelings of fear, guilt, shame, other negative emotions, and persistent negative beliefs about yourself, the world, and other people. And so all of those sound a lot like depression, yeah, right? I was going to say, they yeah. They do. But that last one in particular, I've heard that called the depressive triad. Hmm. So negative beliefs about yourself, the world, and other people. And it's really interesting to me because I don't know where I heard that. I think it was in my master's program that that is the depressive triad. And it's not in criteria for depression, huh. but it's in our criteria for PTSD. So again, we're seeing how all of these things That's are related. That's people call you negative. <laughs> yes. And you get kicked out of things. Now you just say, I'm just engaged with the depressive triad. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is why I was surprised never... you didn't know that. I mean, I was happy to, be, and now I'm happy I got kicked out because it was a cult. But, <laughs> you know, when you just think poorly of all of it. Yeah, well, well, I mean, it's if, when you question cults, yeah, question, too. Question, that's mm -hmm. still, Yes, yeah. you cannot question. No, no, no. no. Cult. Oh, my gosh, the depressive but triad. People yes. in cults who leave can end up with PTSD. Don't sure. they most, most? I think so. I think most of them do. But okay, but it, what if it didn't threaten their life? So that is the difficult thing where we go back to that main criteria is that by definition, no. Interpersonally and in terms of how I would work with someone in therapy, I would say this is absolutely a trauma. You get to define the trauma. Yeah, sure. I also think with something like that, with a cult, you're stability of what you believe trust mm -hmm. to be and what you believe things that are safe to be has been rocked and taken away yes. and, and and kind of split so I can definitely see how that would cause yeah that. and I think that actually that man you guys are good leading us right into <laughs> complex PTSD CPTSD Katie makes us smarter than we are I know I'm like <laughs> flipping my hair over here well I don't know I think I think it's just a complimentary process here I love it but to Sarah's question is does this kind of lead to CPTSD and I don't think we have good data on that yet one of the main reasons is 
CPTSD is not a diagnosis in the DSM yet. Ah. It is being studied. So we're still gathering data. That's what happens, you know, even if we think about how we started today with going all the way back to shell shock, observing something happening, collecting data, then saying, here's how it typically goes. Now we have a nosology for it, and then we can study it even better. So CPTSD is kind of in that realm at this point. And it can be very, very similar. So having things like hypervigilance, feeling like the whole world is a dangerous or bad place, mm. um, maybe more distorted negative feelings about yourself, and then also difficulties managing emotions like anger or intense sadness, persistent feelings of emptiness or hopelessness, relationship challenges, trust issues, exactly what Sarah was saying, avoiding others, um, and maybe participating in unhealthy dynamics. Because if you think about it, when we're talking about complex PTSD, you may have some of these traumatic events, and then you have them again and again and again over time. It erodes your sense of stability, mm -hmm. trust, maybe even sense of self. All of that with you saying that and talking about a few minutes ago how memory can be spotty mm -hmm. when it comes to remembering the trauma. And always related back to like pop culture because I feel like it's like, then you can be like, oh, that's an example of yes. something somewhere. Mm -hmm. But the show Unbelievable that's on Netflix. Yeah. And she doesn't remember some of the trauma. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a show of, um, it's a mini series about a young woman who is sexually assaulted in her home, reports it to the police. They think she's making it up and that she has created this instance in her mind. And so... Because she had a hard time with details and right. because she mm -hmm. also had a traumatic upbringing. And so, right. yeah, it's it's based on a real story. Yes. So the memory, she doesn't have memory and memory will come back in in spotty right. areas so then she'd go to the police and say oh I remember this or well you didn't tell us that before and you know since you didn't tell us that before it clearly is something you're making yeah. up and so it's just these things and and then when they actually get this hard evidence you know it's she's she can be vindicated but it's like that's it's too late by that point because she's been re-traumatized right. so many times to a point where she even says at one point what well, didn't happen you're right I made it up right. yeah because why go right. through that anymore. I mean, human memory is faulty to begin with. Sure. It is not a video recording. Different parts of it are stored in different parts of the brain. And then when we throw trauma on top of it, you know, there's this extreme emotionality with it. It is very difficult to put together the pieces. I mean, as I talk about this, I always think about the Kavanaugh hearings. Mm -hmm. and hmm. how Dr. Blasey Ford was just annihilated on social media because she could not put together a logical accounting of events in the way that people wanted to hear it. And like a timeline. They want exactly. like a detailed timeline. Well, how... That is like not how trauma works. Right. Recount your your childhood, period, without mm -hmm. trauma in a, t in a correct timeline. Try to do that. Now it's impossible. put trauma, insert trauma mm -hmm. there that affects your memory and then try to do it as well. Like you're, you're asking an impossible task. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's something for everybody to keep in mind when you are talking to someone who has experienced a trauma, be so patient and please don't ask them for details. Mm -hmm. Just believe whatever they're saying and just be with them. Yeah. And help them feel safe. I think that's just such a huge part of being a support person Sorry. for someone who has experienced you know trauma and that could be ha could have a diagnosis of PTSD or CPTSD is that like you said don't 
question. Don't. Yeah. Well, you said, or I thought you said yeah. this, and you know, kind of picking, picking at details. Right. It's not those details are only important to you. Mm-hmm. They really don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things in this person's experience, or they really want to know. They really want to remember. Yeah. And they feel so terrible that they can't that that is adding shame Mm -hmm. onto the situation and you know it's interesting to me that shame kind of comes up in the diagnostic criteria but so many people who have experienced traumas who have a diagnosis of PTSD have an incredible amount of shame around the event and what's really interesting to me is always that it's in these cases where there's a sexual assault where there is a clear perpetrator yet there's like this transmission of shame onto and i guess we might as well start talking about language the victim if that is a word that the person is okay with that they pick up the shame that if we're really looking at this it's the person who did it mm-hmm. this should be feeling the shame well and i think the shame goes back to what i was saying of why did i let this happen to me yeah I think that's exactly it. How was I not strong enough mm-hmm. to stop this? And it or doesn't like even have the foresight to like n- not, not, not get into that happen. situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How didn't I know? Mm-hmm. Shame could be a whole like oh. 10 part series. I know you're right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, and I think that's why I adore Brene Brown so much is yes. because she's studied it for decades mm-hmm. and that's like what her specialty mm-hmm. is because it's such a complex thing that I just don't understand. Yeah. And so hearing her break it down really helps. But it is something that I have felt with a good amount of, with anything traumatic that's happened to me that falls into the PTSD category where it was a violent thing or it was something that I witnessed. Mm-hmm. There's a shame attached to it. And it's it's completely, I know, completely unreasonable. Right. I know that it you is. You know that logically. Yes. You don't feel but it. But I feel the shame still. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do you let go of something like that. Yeah. I've mentioned several times on this show that I actually watched someone drown yeah. and not watched and didn't help, but we found she had already been under the water. And so I watched them try to revive her and I watched the saving efforts and, you know, she passed there. And so it's like that traumatic event. I feel shame around that because it's like, well, why didn't I see her sooner? Why didn't I mm-hmm. find her? Why didn't mm-hmm. I do more to try to find her? You know, there's like a, a I know I couldn't do that. I was eight like what you know and like I did what I could and we looked for her for as long as we could and what am I gonna do I didn't have any life-saving measures under my belt I didn't know how to do that like but there's a shame attached to that right there's a shame attached to my sexual assault there's you know that I was drinking and it was the first time I had ever been drinking and I had gotten entirely intoxicated to the point of of blacking out and so that to me it's like my fault that's why it was my fault for so long and there's when I was 11, um, an older man touched me in front of a bunch of people and I told my parents and he was arrested. I felt shame. I mm-hmm. remember being 11 years old and watching them walk him out in handcuffs and thinking to myself, what did I do? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of it, it it's we do this thing to ourselves, right? With this internal focus of I should be able to take care of everything, to take care of myself, to stop everything, to fix everything. And we can't. And we have the intellectual knowing that that is absurd. But shame is this insidious, amorphous feeling 
that just gets into every little crevice of our psyche and our experience and is so difficult to work with, to challenge. So I teach and practice a meditation protocol where we do a lot with opposites. And we teach that the opposite of shame is potency. And I, it took me a while, but I think it's exactly what we're talking about, right? Shame because we could not be potent in this situation. Mm -hmm. I could not stop this from happening, even though by all accounts, there's no logical reason to think that we should. Well, I think that shame is everything but logic. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. there's just nothing logical about it. Very true. No matter what people say, no matter what you tell yourself, you still are like, Mm, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's this feeling, right? Like I, I know I've talked to other people before about like when I feel guilty, guilty is about something I did. Shame is something I am mm. or a f something that I fear I am. Yeah. Right. As a person. And it's one of those full body feelings. Yes. It's, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of like anxiety and things you can kind of... Uh, my therapist will also be like, where do you feel yeah, that in it. your body? Mm -hmm. Where do you feel it in your body? But with shame, it's like, I feel that everywhere. Like that's head to toe. Yep. Yeah. With complex PTSD. Yes. Um, I think I misunderstood because after I heard your definition, it might not be it. I was thinking, or maybe I'm right. I don't know. It's multiple events. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And so it, it may be multiple events that maybe aren't, God, this language just sucks. Like not so big. Um, right. So it could have been like a big one and then like some small. And this and this small, and this. Right. And this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in, for example, in Unbelievable, that particular character could have complex PTSD from that one event because she was re-traumatized. Lost about her housing. That. Lost her mm -hmm. friends. Was right. humiliated. Was humiliated. Was told that she was making right. it up. Was, you know, was not believed. Those types of, and there's a lot of shame attached to that, I'm sure too. Mm -hmm. Like. I've, I find it very interesting that like one event could cause complex PTSD if right. you think about it. And also that shame is attached only to this because it makes so much sense. Right. Right. So this actually, believe it or not, goes all the way back to your original question that started <laughs> us on yeah. this line of does PTSD always or often lead to complex PTSD? And I think the most honest answer is we don't know yet. We're studying it and I think it could. Um, there are some theories that the way we're processing the fear may make us more vulnerable and then to developing complex PTSD. Um, also, we've been talking about women. There is a slightly higher prevalence of PTSD in women for probably the exact reason that we would think we are more likely to have been the victims mm -hmm. of childhood sexual abuse sexual assault so we've probably had more traumatic events there are some theories that we also process a little bit differently and that could make us more vulnerable but you still can't factor out the fact that we are abused more at least in these ways so those who have this theory that only people who have experienced war can experience ptsd need to rethink that theory Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 100%. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it could be any significant trauma. So can we talk trauma? 
I mean, we've been talking trauma, mm-hmm. but let's just talk about the word trauma. We always say like big trauma, little trauma, yeah. trauma is trauma. Uh, I think it's great that that word has become something that people can understand and then unpack in a therapy session and all of these things. You can get to the root of what's causing your problems. But I also think that it some people can say that it's been overused. Yes. And maybe we can just talk about that. I don't know if there's an answer to that or how to really define that because every I never want to invalidate somebody's trauma. Right. Absolutely. I think this is a really great path that you're putting us on. Absolutely. I don't know that we have answers. What we need is more questions, more conversations, right? That trauma is defined by the person experiencing it. So something that may have felt very traumatic to me because of how it affected how I think about the world, how it might lead me into the depressive triad is a trauma, whereas for someone else, they don't feel threatened by it. So by PTSD definition, it's pretty clear that it has to be life-threatening, hearing about life-threatening, et cetera. But in terms of just someone's personal definition, it's how we experience it. That said, I find it hard to believe that your manicure not going right is <laughs> <was> traumatic. <laughs> right, Like, and I think we, we do say stuff like that, and this just all goes back to our focus on language that we need to be careful in how we're talking about things and with whom because we don't always know how it's going to be perceived and words can be traumatic. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely can. Going back to last episode when we were talking about how bipolar and schizophrenia and specifically the psychosis that goes Mm -hmm. along with that, that is a lot to do with perception, your perception Mm -hmm. of the reality that's going on. Can that be applied to trauma too? Like your perception of the reality? I think so. I think absolutely. I mean, I can tell you things that felt traumatic to me that I would even hesitate to say that word because nothing, you know, quote unquote big happened, Mm -hmm. but it shifted how I thought about Mm. myself. Yes. And so that is traumatic. That's big. That's, yeah. That's a great. Yeah. My life isn't in danger, but I'm it. changing mm-hmm. how I perceive myself yeah. in the world. That can be a trauma. I think that with the increase in talking about mental health mm-hmm. and the fight for removing the stigma and it yeah. being more acceptable to talk about it, that these words are being more readily used. So trauma mm-hmm. and PTSD, mm-hmm. those are two that are used a lot. And I have anxiety or I'm depressed yes. and those kinds of things being thrown out there. So it's like, I feel this push and pull where it's like, I'm so glad that yeah. people are saying yeah. these things and talking yeah. about them more. But also I'm so glad we're having these conversations so that there's a better understanding yes, of, of what use. those things actually yeah. mean in reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, we've said this before in episodes, but I feel like we should repeat it whenever we think it and it pops up is that don't be afraid to talk about your traumatic experience because you think that the person you're talking to has had a worse quote right. oh worse gosh, traumatic yeah. experience i will find a lot of times that people will want to talk to me about their issues or what's going on with them and they'll start to and then they'll kind of get this like shame thing going yep. on and they'll be like I mean, I'm sorry. It's not as bad as what you went through or it's not as, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I want you to talk to me about these things. Like yeah. it is, it's big for you. Like this is, this is a big thing for you. That's different 
than saying when someone dies, oh, I know how you feel because my dog died. Sure. So <laughs> there's a line there. I get what you're saying completely. Like I, you know, just because, you know, your husband cheated on you and still alive, I'll listen. I still want to hear your story because that's traumatic, right. you know, mm-hmm. but don't equate. Don't you don't need to equate. We don't need to equate anything in our lives. Right. That's right. None of us have the same anything. That's exactly right. And I think one of the things I tell patients all the time is this is about your subjective experience. It doesn't have to be better, worse, bigger, smaller, etc. I want to know how you experienced it. And you know what we're talking about is don't compare. Yeah. There's no reason to compare your experience to someone else's. Please don't try to one up. Yeah, right? that's another thing. Yeah. Just share and listen. Mm-hmm. And I think we also need to accept that we're going to mess up. This this stuff is, I mean, beyond easy to mess up because it is so personal. It is so subjective. Like something like the word victim. Mm-hmm. I have patients who prefer to use the word victim. I personally like it because if there is a victim, there is a perpetrator. Right. And it, it puts, I don't like the word blame, but could put the blame like squarely yeah like yes. the ownership it of shows it. that there was someone who did something mm-hmm. to this other person outside of you mm-hmm. that said there are people who don't like the idea of does that mean i'm going to take on the victim mentality mm. right and so they don't want that they want to be a trauma survivor so i ask people specifically in session how would you like to refer to this because with ptsd and especially cptsd and i think it's the shame this becomes or I guess these become some of the most difficult disorders to make ego dystonic. Remember we talked about there's Mm -hmm. ego syntonic, it feels like me, and ego dystonic, it is something separate. Especially when we have been victimized or have experienced trauma after trauma after trauma, people will look at me and say, I'm the common denominator here. It, It is very difficult to not identify with that. So that's why our language is important. If we can say, no, 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 that person did this. Mm-hmm. Or this just happened. Yeah. We can start to separate from the events, from the disorder, from the trauma, and get back to ourselves in another way. And I feel personally, again, I think this is totally a personal decision as to what you would think. But immediately I thought, oh, I would definitely want to be trauma survivor because as a victim, I feel, again, this is part of shame, that then I'm just like a sitting duck, mm-hmm. just waiting for the next sure. thing to fucking like happen to me. Right, right. So the, I mean, that's we can see why it is so personal. Yeah. And again, we're right back to we have to talk about it. We have to accept we're probably going to fuck up. And maybe you start the conversation that way. Hey, I just want to have a conversation. Please tell me when I mess something up, when I offend you, because I just want to learn mm-hmm. and I want to get better at this. That is great advice. I I love that. And I think like that's what we need to strive for is to just start it off with that. Setting up like the expectation to say like, I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to try really hard to have a a, a productive conversation with you about this. But, you know, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I really love that because I think that most people who have that conversation with you are truly coming from a place of good and care and as someone on the other side it's hard to see that so the second they fucking like say something that's like wrong or not wrong but you know like upsets you you're like whatever shut up so I think that after 
them saying that, it sets you up for a much mm-hmm. more honest and open conversation. And that's the thing. I will say to patients, I am going to get something wrong. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I would love nothing more than for you to tell me I'm wrong because that means you trust me. Mm-hmm. You feel that you can tell me after all of these experiences, hey, you didn't get that one quite right. Mm-hmm. And that's another way in. We're now strengthening our relationship and I'm learning more about you and you are hopefully having a corrective emotional experience of seeing me listen and learn more mm-hmm. and put that back into our relationship. I keep having this thing pop into my head as we're talking about this. And it's because I have been having more conversations around trauma and and trying to open up the conversation and make people feel more comfortable about talking about it. And, you know, it's every time I talk about anything good in my life and somebody has had an opposite experience. So the number one thing is that I have an, I have an amazing marriage. My husband and I have this incredible relationship. We just get each other. Now, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Do I have times in my life where I'm like, he's the most fucking annoying person on the planet? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But (laughs) for the most part, we are just simpatico. Like we just ebb and flow and just really feed off of each other. Well, this is one amazing thing in my life. So when somebody is either experiencing turmoil in their relationship or is going through a divorce or doesn't experience, hasn't had a good experience with a partner, they kind of throw that at me. Mm. Like, um, well, you have, you don't know what it's like to feel sad or to be depressed or whatever, Mm -hmm. because, because you have this amazing Mm -hmm. relationship. And I always say, I deserve it. I deserve this relationship. Mm -hmm. I have had a very hard life. And I've gone through some shit and I am trying not to focus on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that does not mean that I don't know what it's like to experience something because I have this one amazing thing in my life. This is the one thing in my life that is, is constant is my rock is my safe space. So don't make me feel bad about that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it's like, that would be like you being like to someone, well, at least you have your mom. Right. At least you have a dad. At least you have a mom. At least, you know, like. Right. I mean, all of this sounds like it's an interesting thing that we do as humans. Like when we start distancing, it's all a distancing thing instead of focusing on what we have in common. And honestly, we can relate to each other without having had the same experience. Yes. I think there's something really beautiful about saying, I don't have any idea what that is like. Could you please tell me? Mm -hmm what that is like for you instead of just like coming at yeah someone that's a, that's a great i love that you've got all the responses <laughs> all the responses <laughs> wonder, keep is, them coming this, we'll this get is, everybody set straight over here <laughs> yes she's got ask all dr the, katie yeah this is how you this i mean because we need to learn new language yeah new communication new ways of talking with one another so that you know because all of these things we've been talking about just lead you to distancing yourself yeah. to thinking the worst of people <laughs> as soon as as soon as that comes out of somebody's mouth, mouth though for me when they're like well at least i shut done. off i'm done yeah. That's it. Yeah, there's something that feels competitive about it, yes, right? Like yes. just, okay, well, I know that's your experience, but let me tell you how shitty mine is. <laughs> or like you couldn't possibly understand, like you said, because they have this one thing. We always have to remember that we, even even our person, 
the closest person to us. We don't see all of anyone else's life, period. And it's hard because people aren't on the inside. I just happen to like park in my ass in this chair like half of my life. <laughs> so um, they work very hard at it, everyone. And um, they annoy the fuck out of each other. So yep. uh, I promise you it's not perfect. <laughs> it is not. I just blew it up for you. Yeah, you did. I don't, and do it, do it. Because that's the thing too. I think people have this like when they, and, and I don't want to get too far down into my relationship, but like people look at us and they're like, it's perfect and you guys have this storybook whatever and I'm like "Mm, we really don't but we love each other a lot yeah (laughs) yeah and you know like that's what the thing is is that we can take that even further just like you are only seeing a snippet of someone's life no matter where you are along their journey you are only seeing the tiniest part right so like I was I was laughing at myself when I got in the car because I was like, oh, look at you. You put on red and red lipstick. And I've been like crying all morning, digging down through Scott's photos because today's three years. Oh. And I'm like, you're what are you doing? And it's just like, you know, so I let's say I go to the store afterwards or something and someone sees me. They're like, damn, she's got her shit together. Like she must have like healed and been I don't know, whatever you're going to think. But like you only see a snippet. You don't see the whole story, no matter what disorder, no matter what illness, no matter what trauma. And so we have to be so gracious and, you know, a little bit less, I don't know, jumping to conclusions, perhaps. I would say just remember, most of us do not lead with our traumas. Right. It's not like we're sitting around and like, so nice to meet you. So let's start at the beginning years. Yeah. So tell me, what is your most traumatic memory and why? But keep in mind that I also understand that memory is faulty at best. And then when we throw in trauma, you're you're likely not going to remember. Like, ah. Could you list your disorders and your medication? Yeah, and, and could you start with, yeah. Please start with what's most salient at the moment, but isn't that what therapists do when they get together? No, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, what was that thing I posted about it? Uh, was it Parm and PowerPoints? Oh, and it was yes. like, uh, oh, that's where you like, yes, you have the PowerPoint party and yes. you like switch so you make a powerpoint and somebody yes. else has to like yes, present it so instead of doing a powerpoint about just something innocuous that someone else has to present yes. with no preparation we do powerpoints on our traumas, our traumas. <laughs> oh that one yes yes i didn't see that let's one. do that let's no i'm making this up right oh, now this is oh, a new oh, dinner oh. party idea we're gonna oh, do this oh so we're just gonna like go through yes, and yes. give it to you okay yes, mm-hmm. yes. that Slide one. Wow. 1986. (laughs) You know what? That sounds uplifting and like a dinner party I would love to be at after a long day. Oh my gosh. Wow. JK guys don't have that dinner party. No. Please don't. Oh my gosh. We just have to lighten it up, you know. We have to. We have to. We uh, self-defined ourselves on one of our descriptions as trauma queens. So now every time we get hit with um, like solicitation of some sort, like, you know, buy this thing or do this thing, they're like, hello, trauma queens. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. So why are we not wearing tiaras today, ladies? I don't know. I feel as though that needs to happen. Or the next tattoo, perhaps. Yes. I did clean out my mom's house, which was like awful. And it took us a month. Um, And I found my homecoming court tiara and I was like I really feel like this should be a part of my daily wardrobe oh we should have let me clarify here. it was for co- college not high school so if you're one of my high school friends and you're listening you're like you're not homecoming court 
No, I wasn't. But I was in college, so fuck off. Um, <laughs> I, I feel as though we should get a shelf in here and like put it on. Just, it. But it's just one though. Like, what am I just gonna? Sh- just a little shelf. A just little, a little shelf. Floating shelf. But it, could be, it could be like whoever wants to wear it that day. Whoever and you know needs what, it. I fucking bought myself. Remember, when I bought that crown on Amazon, guys. Amazon has some gorgeous, affordable crowns. Go buy yourself one and just wear it whenever you feel like it. Head to the grocery store, put on your fucking crown. <laughs> she brought it. We're getting way off track. I know. Oh, sorry. She brought it to the photo shoot because this is another tidbit you don't know about, Amy. I have a ginormous head. It's like not in the 99th percentile. It was like on the tippy top of it. So like, I guess look in the Amazon description to see if you can fit a big head. We did have a male um, on Facebook tell us that he didn't feel like trauma queens was appropriate because it reminded him of drama queens and that's just completely unattractive hmm we get a lot of mail sounds like, like someone we'd really want to hang out I know, with. I was like nobody asked you but yeah. okay <laughs> somebody was like um did you know bye is b-y-e not bye because we were like it's, bye. like it's supposed to be like that like, on our website they're like you misspelled this <laughs> trauma queens and i was like oh my god we meant to have it like that <laughs> People love it. Don't you know, old white man, that it's supposed to be <laughs> bye? <laughs> wow. But see, this is this is the thing. Everybody wants to bring mm. you down. Mm. Can't we all just get along? That has nothing to do with PTSD. Unless you're going to be one of those people that Who throws out the was, term yes. and be like, that was traumatic and I have PTSD over it now. Right. There we go. That We're going to bring it full circle. Bringing it back Here around. Bringing it that back around. That is a misuse of the word. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> Are there any other terms or phrases? Because hmm. we talked about it in the we last episode. Yeah. Um, like things that people can misuse that can be offensive. Like I said, I really think it is important to ask the person what they prefer. Mm-hmm. Victim, survivor, um, etc. Please just don't say something is traumatic for you if it really isn't. While I'm also understanding that I am saying that that is subjective. Yeah. Maybe just don't joke about things that could be perceived as traumatic or generally are like sexual assault right at first right. i was like um that's our whole show ah but i don't and, think you uh, joke no, about no, no, it no i mean like because of the levity that we have but but we do not joke about right. serious things like that as soon as you said the example i was like Phew. yeah okay yeah no I, and i think clearly i think humor is important but to be really careful. It's the same thing as saying, I could kill myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so saying a rape joke is not fucking funny. Like, right. at ever. all. Ever. Ever. Never ever. appropriate. Yeah. Err on the side of kindness. Yes. Compassion. Yes. Or just not saying anything. Not having to make everything a joke. Yeah. You know, because the whole, I mean, obviously we all think it is important to talk about suicide in a productive way. To yeah. not make it shameful. But again... You know, if we're talking about PTSD, I'm going to bring it back. Much higher rate of suicide. Yeah. And then if we're talking about don't make uh, rape jokes, nearly 22% of people who had been raped had also attempted suicide at some point. I mean, that was a heavy one, but um, I made some jokes. (laughs) I can't help it. I get uncomfortable. We have to. We have to. It is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And you can make jokes. You can be silly. There can be levity, but you can do it in a way that's not harmful that's not re-traumatizing someone that's not like callous right and I think there's a big difference between joking about and having some levity with your own trauma and making fun of someone else's yeah that's a really good point point. and I'm just gonna while I'm on a roll 
me normalizing my trauma by doing that doesn't mean that you get to do it with my trauma. You can do it with your own, Mm -hmm. but let's just let everybody have their own traumas. I would never think to like, even on this show, be like joking to Sarah about her trauma because she joked about it. Now she's left that door open. Right. And I'm just going to do that to you too. Like throw it right back. People do it. People do it. That is good advice. That is very, very good advice. That did not open the door for anyone to say whatever they want now. So as Amy mentioned earlier, today is the three-year anniversary of Scott's passing. And so I just kind of wanted to know, is there anything you want to talk about with us and share with our listeners? I think that I said earlier about wearing my color red and putting on lipstick and having myself together um, and looking as though I'm fine. I just really want people to understand that grief looks different ways. Um, that it doesn't end, that you have, that it's still there. Today was really hard. I mean, um, we know that our regular listeners know that I don't cry, but um, I did cry this morning thinking about it. It is a really hard um, day because, you know, no matter how much therapy I go to, no matter how much I know consciously, I still do the whole like, Three years ago, if I would have done this, if I had done this, if I had made this call, if I had gone here, if I'd gone there, you know, I shouldn't have been doing this that day. Um, It's just, you know, like, and then today specifically, I felt really sad because he was so alone. And um, I don't know, I'm just feeling a lot of feels. And I want people out there who've been, you know, 30 years or whatever out of a tragedy or lost, like you still probably could feel the same amount of grief. And I just don't think there's a timeline. And I know I've said it multiple times, but I think it's so important to remind people that everyone grieves differently. There's no timeline and it's not a um, fluid like path that you're on. And, you know, just saying that you're thinking of that person today, like, uh, you know, reaching out and saying like, you know, I, I know today's hard. You don't have to do anything for me, but just acknowledging it or acknowledging it for someone else, uh, it definitely does help a little bit. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm happy we talked about memory too, because I was telling Sarah this morning that I was spiraling and I was so happy we had this this interview today because otherwise that's what I would have done. I would have just gone, I went back in pictures forever and ever and videos and all of these things because my memory is just, I don't know. I don't trust it. And I just want to remember more and I feel like I'm forgetting things. And so part of that is trauma. Part of that is just memory. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the percentages of what we actually remember are correct, but like, I mean, I think that too, you know, I would look at pictures. I told Sarah this already And I was like trying to think like, okay, before the picture, what was I doing? Was I actually happy? Were we really happy there? Like, what what were we doing that day? And I don't know. And this is the, the things that your mind does as you're trying to make sense of something that is not going to make sense. And I hope that if you did not listen to the last episode on bipolar disorder, that you go back and listen. Um, I've got one goal besides raising my kids is to tell the world uh, what these disorders are, these illnesses, to get people to stop misusing words and stigmatizing people who have them. So please go back and listen and just get a little bit of education on the actual illness itself and understand it as much as you can. I appreciate you and I love you. I want to encourage 
any of our listeners that if you have any questions, if you want to leave us a voicemail and ask Dr. Katie a question, please do. Yeah. That would be so fun. Yeah. Yes. And so our website is www. I said it in the very radio way. Yes, you did. <laughs> Unqualifiedtherapists.com. It is necessary to do the triple W's. 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 <laughs> oh, God. So you want to do that. There's a little pink microphone on the screen, whether it's on your phone or on your computer. You just click on that and you can leave us a two minute up to two minute voicemail. Give it a try. We're here for it. I understand the anxiety of, of doing that. I know. I get it. So, but can we record? Katie is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure you're wondering things. Yes. So, send us your voicemails. And it doesn't have to. Yes. And you can just leave us your thoughts. If you have experience with any of the disorders we've talked about so far, go ahead and leave us a voicemail. We can share that on the show if you're okay with it. Send us an email if you'd like at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. And you can get some more content by going to Patreon dot com slash unqualified therapists inc if you are a patreon and are wondering what the hell happened to the book club (laughs) um life happened listen april mental illness happened (laughs) april was fucking nuts for the two of us so um it is being pushed uh we are in touch with other katie Um, who is the author of the book. We're everywhere. Yes, there's Katie's everywhere. <laughs> it's funny. I have more Amy's in my life, though, than Katie's. I got a couple Katie's. We can work on that. Yes. <laughs> but it is still happening. Hang in there. We'll get it to you along with a slew of other content that we're going to have for you on there. So please go check it out. Um, we love you guys. We appreciate the support. It's how we keep the mics on. So we will see you next week. Thank you, Dr. Katie. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week. Stay wild and weird. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. Editing and production by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, join our fan club at patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Follow us on Instagram at Unqualified Therapists, where you will find our link tree to all things here at the UT. If you have a story to tell or a topic you'd like us to discuss, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. Until next week, warrior, hold on. We're gonna make it. <laughs>